This episode of the HR Locker podcast is sponsored by HireLocker.com. If you want applicants to make their application for a job vacancy using their LinkedIn account, go ahead and sign up to a 14-day trial of HireLocker.com and see what it's like for yourself. And in this episode of the HR Locker podcast, we are talking specifically about compensation and benefits. I'm your host, Aaron O'Connor, and you know you have a comp and bends issue when you are struggling to attract the right people to your organization, or you are hiring them and you're having to pay them higher than the market rate, or you've got staff leaving. If you let things get to crisis point, you'll end up with two problems. One is the actual problem that you initially had, and the second is you're going to have to deal with unhappy employees. And your next port of call to solve the issue is to enlist the services of our next guest. Uh, my name is Pat Gurren. Uh, my company's name is Gurren Compensation. Uh, we're a boutique uh, compensation and benefits consulting company. Pat's far too modest with his explanation of what his company does. Pat is actually a thought leader within the comp and ben space. And I asked Pat, why would a company need to enlist his services? Uh, so a company's come to uh, look for our services for a number of reasons, particularly when there's issues in the compensation and benefits arena. And they could be very wide-ranging, and they could range from anything to do with base pay to bonus design to a grading structure to a long-term incentive plan design or even in the benefits space. I asked Pat for a more concrete and specific example that he could give. Client came to us who uh, were recently set up as a separate business that had historically been part of a wider business grouping, and they had set up in their own specialist area within the in, in insurance market, and they wanted to be able to grade the jobs that they had in the organisation from the most senior to the most junior. And they also wanted to have a consistent methodology to compare how those jobs uh, were actually paid against the market and also how they were paid against each other internally. So they would have approached scoring compensation and we would have been selected to work with them on implementing a grading structure, which would have required us to go in and look at um, the jobs in the organization. So we would have required job descriptions and uh, we would have had to do interviews with the senior managers of the various divisions to make sure that we understood the requirements of all the jobs. And then we would have put in place a grading structure that would basically size the jobs or basically grade the jobs from high to low, depending on the job responsibility level of the job and depending on its its position within the organization hierarchy. And once we had the jobs graded and sized, we basically then had to look at a way to compare that to the marketplace, and we were able to benchmark the, the sizes we had done against uh, salary surveys, and we were able to use the grading to come up with accurate job matches in the marketplace. And we could then compare how the company was paying um, the employees in this organization compared to similar businesses uh, who had similar jobs at, at similar levels in the marketplace. So to give a bit of context, I asked Pat how big the organization was that had to enlist his services. 
So this organization um, uh, had a total headcount of 15,000 uh, employees. It was also undergoing a lot of restructuring, so it had historically been part of a wider organization, but it was set up as a separate entity and also a separate company with its own P&L, and this particular company was actually listed on the stock market, so it was a public company. So the company had about 15,000 employees, and they were on their way to become 12,000 employees over 18 months. So there was quite a lot of restructuring going on, which created some challenges for us in terms of understanding what the eventual job people would be doing post the restructure. And so they had um, they had basically 15,000 employees, and I guess we would have graded between 800 and 1,000 jobs. Because for some of these jobs, like claims handlers, there would have been a lot of incumbents in those jobs. Uh, so it wouldn't be just one job for each employee. So we basically graded the jobs. And how do you actually grade a job? How do you how do you define how much a job is actually worth? So there's there's, there's two things. Uh, so there are actually two different. Uh, uh, exercises, although basically part of the same process. So, in terms of grading a job, uh, some companies call it job evaluation. Uh, some companies uh, call it just grading, but it's basically job evaluation. And what there's a lot of different methodologies out there. Some companies design their own grading structures, and they can define competency models. And then, depending on the competencies required in the jobs, they can grade their people internally. Uh, we've actually done bespoke grading structures for organizations. In this particular example, we used uh, an off-the-shelf grading methodology. Uh, so it's, uh, organizations that have grading methodologies would be the likes of Hay, have a job grading structure. Uh, Towers Watson have a job grading structure. And Mercer have a job grading structure. They're, they're broadly similar uh, in and once you uh, what you look at the, the key components you look at uh, would be the first thing you look at is the size of the organization how large is the organization so what's the total revenue of the organization what's the number of employees that are employed in that organization what's the business diversity of that organization in terms of is it single industry like insurance or is it broader industry like insurance plus financial services like retail banking, investment banking, etc. So you, you have to come up with what is the overall size of the organization. And then it's a matter of working down through the organization because all those factors I give you will have an impact or a bearing on the size of the CEO's job. So once you know the size of the CEO jobs, and there's a number of factors you look at there. You can, in terms of the actual, you, you, you break the job down into components like the technical or functional knowledge that's required to do the job. So that could be if you're a finance person, there's certain technical or functional finance functional knowledge you need to be an accountant, for an example. And the, the, um, the, the financial knowledge of which I would call functional knowledge, you need to be a senior accountant. It's higher than the functional knowledge required to be an accountant. Um, and then you look at the business expertise required. You look at the level of problem solving in a job. 
you look at the impact of the job, you look at the geographic scope of the job. So you look at all those factors and you basically weight them and you you apply the same criteria to all the jobs that you're grading. So that's in terms of actually sizing the job. And then for in terms of when you're looking at the at the to actually basically price that job in the marketplace, then what you need to do is to uh, get market data. So if you go to a Mercer, or if you use Mercer's methodology or Hayes' methodology or Towers' methodology, the advantage in, use, in, in doing that is that you can do a very quick read across into their salary service to see what those jobs are worth in the marketplace, depending on the level of the job and all that. So what you're saying really is is you look at an individual how many how many different jobs that that they kind of cover what kind of skill level that they're at and then you apply this formula uh to all of those jobs which should then theoretically give a value of what that that employee should be compensated. Yes, yeah, so you basically create the job in terms of what is the size of the uh, and impact of the job, and then uh, once you have that, so it, so let's uh, let's basically stay with our accountants example. So if you find that one job is at a at, at a, a a senior level is more complex, requires higher level of qualification and our experience and our technical skills. In finance, for example, a tax accountant, you may, you may have a senior tax accountant, and you will basically size that job and you will apply a certain weighting to a senior tax accountant. And also when you are looking at grading uh, a job of a freshly qualified accountant who is new in, in, into, the, into industry for the first time, then you will grade that job. And typically you will have a differential between the senior accountant in terms of the scores of the job and the more junior accountant. And then when you go to the marketplace to say, well, well, what does a senior accountant get paid? Typically, you'll find that they also get paid more. And uh, Pat, what was the what was the final outcome? What happened when where? OK, so this company, they, they brought you in to have a look and restructure their comp and bends. What was the outcome that that came out of of your intervention, say? Sure. So there was a number of outcomes. <clears throat> so the project took uh, about eight to ten months to complete because it was a very large organization. And there was a number of practical outcomes. So one of them was <clears throat> we basically graded all the jobs from senior to junior in the organization. And <clears throat> we were able to create career paths for employees, for example, with they had uh, uh, claim handlers, people who handled the claims and, and the insurance claims. So they were able to break jobs down into entry-level jobs and explain the criteria that was associated, the knowledge that was basically required to be an entry-level claims handler. And they were able to show the career path then that would be available to those employees as they progressed from entry-level claims handler to experienced claims handler to a senior uh, claims handler all the way to a team leader within the claims handling area. So they were able to articulate in a very clear way the career path for employees. And they were also able to explain and um, to employees uh, why some jobs were paid more than others. Uh, that if, you, if you're a senior claims handler in the marketplace 
and within the organization, then typically you will be paid more than an entry-level uh, claims handler because of your knowledge and because of your experience. Uh, we were also, so we, we basically told all the employees uh, what the grade of their particular job was, and we were also able to explain potential career path for employees to move from one part of the organization to another, and also explain what would be required from employees in terms of skills. So there was an, a, a linkage there to talent development in terms of the skills and the courses that employees would need to do. And uh, we give every employee a letter with their grade on it. And also we gave every, on that letter, we, uh, we, we were able to tell employees how competitively they were paid against the marketplace. And whether that be good or bad, they got that information. And whether that be good or bad, they got that information. So you you would have had a team of of employees in one area or another of the company. Some would have been told that they're paid 20% above the market median. Some would have been told they're paid 20% below the market median. And so it required a lot of of communication and explanation to employees and uh, the grading piece of the exercise is relatively straightforward, but when you do a full communication of the outcome, uh, that's what I added to the time involved. And I suppose that part of the um, service that you provide is probably the most valuable because if you're saying that you can apply a um, formula to each person's job to figure out where, they're, um, where they come in, in terms of pay grade, uh, that communication is so important because um, it can really affect the productivity and motivation levels of the employees, right? Exactly. So, so if you look, there's a lot of talk about in the last four or five years about employee engagement, which is which is simply defined as the level of discretionary effort applied by an employee on the job, and the instance on, in, in that definition is the word discretionary. So I might apply effort on my job when my manager is looking at me, but this is discretionary effort. So if you look at employee engagement, there's probably three key things an organization needs to do. It needs to have very, very good leadership, a very good management within the organization. Uh, it needs to communicate extremely effectively, in particular upwards communication. And the third one is in relation to rewards and compensation and benefits. It's very, very important from a pay point of view. It's not the amount of pay that, that's actually important. Uh, it, it's the perception of fairness. So when employees uh, look at their pay packet, they tend to evaluate it on um, am I being paid fairly internally, i.e. compared to similar people doing, doing similar jobs in my company? And am I being paid fairly compared to people ex externally doing uh, similar jobs? And basically, that's the key thing from an employee engagement point of view with respect to comp and benefits, that people perceive it that it's fair. So all, 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 all of the work that we did in that company I, I, I talked about the whole emphasis, the whole communication was not actually around the grading, although it was important that we had a consistent methodology to do it. It was around what was the outcome of that process, which was 
here's your grade, here's the process we follow to make sure that it's done systematically and consistently and, and it is fair. And here's what the market, uh, the market actually says the job is worth. So we got quite a lot of pushback from employees who were paid low and we got quite a lot of pushback from employees who were paid high compared to market because they were basically challenging the data. But that's all part of the engagement process. You, you've got to be able to, in, uh, pardon the pun, engage with employees head on and be able to explain to them in a non-defensive way what you've done and be able to stand over it. And that's what a grading system allows you to do at the end of the day. And lastly, I asked Pat what advice he would give to companies who might be coming up on having to deal with comp and bends issues. What steps would they take to help to mitigate or prevent an issue from occurring and having to crisis manage? Well, I, I would start with the basics. I would start first with understanding what you're currently paying uh, on comp and benefits. And I, I just don't mean base pay. I mean, how much are you paying out currently on base? How much are you paying on bonus? How much are you paying on pension? So that you understand the totality of what you're paying from a comp and benefits point of view. You understand um, that um, how much that is as a percent of your total operating cost. So if you're an organization that when you add up the numbers and you find that pay is about 80% of your operating costs, then you need to take it extremely extremely seriously um, because it's such a significant part of your operating costs. So I would start there. Uh, and the reason I say that is that based on my experience is that sometimes when I ask organizations that, that, that question, even large ones, even large multinational ones, they sometimes struggle to answer that question, um, which I think you need to be totally on top of is, is, is the numbers. And then the second thing I'd look at doing is, is, is once you understand the maths of it, I would then look at, I, I'd probably take it to a higher level, I would look at what is your philosophy on pay? So is your philosophy on pay that you know, you're going to keep things very simple and you're going to have a base pay structure and you might do something on pension, but you're not going to have, you have the time or the energy to get involved in variable pay design like bonuses or commission plans. Uh, and that's perfectly okay if that is your philosophy. Uh, and then you can basically run it that way. Or are you an organization that would like to incentivize employee with pay for performance? Uh, do you want that to be a significant part of people's total uh, package? And if you do, then uh, what's the, prior, the priority of, of what you want to do? The area of compensation and benefits is a never-ending uh, uh, path of improvement. So you've got to really look at what you want to do now, what you want to do in, in, in the future. And you also have to prioritize, basically, uh, what is going to have the most impact on your organization. So in summary, what I'd say, Darren, is be on top of the numbers in terms of the costs and all that. Understand what your philosophy is as an organization in terms of, of compensation and benefits. Understand where you are now and understand where you want to be in the future. And basically take incremental steps to get there and to basically take your time doing it because if you mess up on the design of your variable pay plans, not only will it cost you money, it will probably cost you a lot of pain as well. 
Thanks a million to Pat Gurren from Gurren.ie. The show notes for this episode are at hrlocker.com forward slash episode 006. Thanks again to Pat Gurren for taking the time to join us and talk about the Comp and Benz issues. If you enjoyed this episode of the HR Locker podcast, I would really appreciate if you could take just a few minutes and go leave us a rating and review in iTunes. We're also available on Stitcher Radio, so if you want to leave us a rating and review there too, we'll greatly appreciate it. As always, I'm your host, Darren O'Connor, and we'll see you in the next episode.